0: that song, a great song. Jaws, looking, have we been putting the sermons on SoundCloud? Yeah? It's not loading up on the website. I'll have to look at that later on. How many of you like reruns? Depends on what it is. So that's true. I find myself, there are not many new series on TV or, or things that I really enjoy a lot where I'll watch it twice, but There are a lot of older things that I like to watch reruns of. And uh, last night at the Angel game, before the game started, they went through a brief, I think they've been a baseball team 60 years, somewhere around there, and they went through their 60 years of history or whatever. When I go with Russ and I take him and they play that, Russ watches every little thing about the game. And I missed him last night. I did. And I told him if he's better, I'll take him to a game before the season's over. But he'll sit there and he'll go through from 60 years ago. I remember I, was do, uh, I remember this, and then he talks about these players. They were in black and white. You could barely tell what they're doing there, and he's telling me who those players were, what they did, and all these different things. You get to the 90s, and then I recognize it. And, so, and that's already 30 years in, and so half their history, I really don't know many of those players. You hear names of people, and you get that and all of that, but then you start seeing things and so last night while well everyone was eating their food or not, no one was looking at it. I always watch the screen. I like it when it gets to the point where I start recognizing players. And next year will be 20 years since they won the World Series. They won in 2002 against the Giants, which I'm grateful for anybody who beats the Giants. and uh, But the Giants and Dodgers are having a pretty good thing going this year. So, um, But Sometimes what reruns or what they do, they spark memories. And then someone wrote an article about it, and they said that um, people gain insight into themselves and their own growth by going back for a do-over, subconsciously using the rerun as a measuring stick for how their own lives have changed. And last night I saw myself doing that. My parents were not avid sports watchers like myself. Now, if you were to ask me, and I know some of you are like, you're talking about sports, you tuned me out already. I get that. I know some of you don't care about sports at all. Sports, I love sports. My parents were not into sports. My oldest brother got me into sports. If you ask me about baseball, and you ask me what teams I cheer for, I am number one a San Diego Padre fan. Always have been, always will be. Well, you say, why? That's what my brother was. That's where it comes from. But we lived in between San Diego and L.A., Never been a Dodger fan, never want anything to do with the Dodgers, and that will always be that way. A few years ago, I tried to become a Dodger fan, and it made me sick even trying to, so I stopped. And so that's not ever going to happen. But on my television growing up, you didn't get Padre games very often, maybe because they weren't popular, but, and my favorite baseball player of all time is Tony Gwynn. We'll leave that there, and I'll leave that alone. But I could watch Angel games or Dodger games growing up. I would never watch a Dodger game because, ugh, just couldn't do it. Couldn't stomach it. I watched a lot of Angel games. So I am this way, and this sounds, I have two teams I cheer for. Padres number one, Angels number two. Say, what if they play each other? Doesn't happen very often, but whoever has the best chance of being in the playoffs, I will go with them. If the other team, and with those teams, most of the time they're both out of it, so it doesn't even matter, and that's okay. But I stay true to my teams. But 2002... The World Series, that night that, they, the night that they won it, in fact they were losing in that game, I remember it, and my parents didn't want to watch the game so we had two televisions in the house. What they were watching, they were watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune in the family room and they still watched that almost 30 years later, they, or 20 years later. And I was in their room watching on their television the game and I remember jumping up and down when the Angels won the World Series. And in my mind subconsciously, I thought back to 20 years ago. I was a senior in high school. That's crazy to think that. Caitlin, you're a senior this year. In 20 years, oh man, I'm going to be almost, I'm going to be not even as old as some of you in this room yet. I won't even, I won't even be 60 yet. But you, I just thought back, and I'm like a senior in high school to being married 15 years four kids and you just start thinking back on things reruns different things will do that and remind you of some things our passage today you might look at you might say well it sounds like a repeat of something we studied in the past on july 18th is the last time we talked about the five thousand being fed and so that was about six seven weeks ago you basically see a rerun, but it's a completely different miracle that takes place. But the things that the Lord was trying to teach the disciples were the same things he tried to teach them before. And sometimes, and the Lord does this, he'll repeat things for us to try and help us learn and grow from them. So from six or seven weeks ago, did you learn anything there? that you've applied to your life today? Or do we need to go back, which we're going to today, and review some of the same main points we did seven weeks ago? And what did we learn or do we need to learn today and move forward with it? Mark chapter 8, verse number 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat and if I send them away fasting to their own houses they will faint by the way for divers of them came from far and his disciples answered him from whence can a man satisfy these things with bread here in the wilderness now you have got to remember the disciples have already seen Jesus feed 5,000 And yet, there's some doubt in them again. And he said, and he asked them, verse 5, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. Do you remember how many loaves there were last time? Five. There's even more bread this time. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and gave thanks, and break, and gave to his disciples to set before them, And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they, when they had eaten, were about four thousand. And he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and came into parts of Dalmantha. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need you, and we love you, and we thank you for the miracle-working God that you are. And I pray this morning as we look at this passage, as we see some familiar things from just a few weeks ago, that you'd help us take the truths and apply them to our lives and use them today and maybe learn more that we didn't learn the first time, this time, in our growth and in our work for you. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is not a repeat of the same miracle. This is a completely separate miracle that takes place. Now, I say that for you because there are many critics out there who look at this passage and and say it's evidence of a contradiction in the Bible. Because some believe that there was only one event, one feeding that took place and that the gospel writers got the details wrong. Now if the writers were the ones who did all the work and everything behind the scenes. Men can get things wrong. But I am a believer that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I do not believe that the scriptures can be wrong. They are right. What happens is men are wrong god's word is never wrong leave the word of god alone and just get your facts straight that's what i would tell our world around us so before we dive into the six points we have this morning which are kind of a review i want to give you the similarities of the two feedings and then i'm going to give you the differences as we dive in First similarity is this, that both miracles involve huge crowds who were hungry. 5,000, 4,000, it's a lot of people to feed. The past couple weeks, finding a food truck or a taco guy to feed 100 to 150 people was hard. If I were to call a taco guy and say, I need you to feed 4,000 in an hour, you're not going to get anybody. Need to feed 5,000. So both miracles There's huge crowds of people that were hungry. Second similarity is this, that Jesus used a small amount of bread and fish to feed a lot of people. The third similarity is the disciples doubted the Lord's ability to provide, but were also involved in distributing the food. In both miracles, Jesus took the little they had, gave thanks, and multiplied it. And the crowds in both passages ate and were completely satisfied and there was large amounts of food left over from both of these feedings. Now the differences are the first crowd, there was five thousand; second Second crowd, 4,000. That's a big difference right there, right? That's 20%. Second difference, the amount of bread is different. First time, five. This time, seven. You see that in the scripture right before your eyes. The first leftovers, there were 12 small baskets, correct? And the second, there were seven large baskets used to collect the leftovers. The first meal came a day after teaching. This one comes after three days of teaching. You think I go long? Think on that one there for a minute. And then the first miracle took place among Jewish people, and this one is in Decapolis, a Gentile community. And then if that doesn't satisfy the critics, since you have your Bible open right here, this is where I'd point them to, Jesus' own words, in verse 19 and 20 of chapter number 8. Look at what it says. When I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took He up? They said them 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took he up? And they said seven, see how Jesus refers to them as two separate things? So I'll go with Jesus over a critic any day. The disciples, no doubt, saw both similarities and the differences in the feeding of the two groups here. As the master teacher and trainer, Jesus wanted to help his disciples grow, but as you can tell through reading this passage, they really hadn't grown much from the last time he fed the five thousand. He kind of repeats something, and what's the old saying? Repetition's the key to learning. Have you ever heard that before? was school gengray, is starting things. And I believe that this is a good word for us because many times with God we want to hear something new. But God wants us to live out what we already know is true. There are six reminders today that I gave you six or seven weeks ago that I want to spark in your mind if the sermon made any difference seven weeks ago it to today and let me just help us all out this morning if you come to church and we sing and you hear the word of god i when i study the word of god i study it i interpret it and i apply it to my life application is very important when you come to church and the word of god is preached by whoever it is that preaches the word of god you should say what can i take from this sermon apply to my life and use And a lot of times the Holy Spirit of God will convict you of something in your life that you should be doing better. And when the Holy Spirit doesn't convict me for a while, I know there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong. The Word's not broken. The Spirit's not broken. My ear might be a little broken. And I might be a little dull of hearing. And I might need to yield myself a little bit more to the Spirit than to my own flesh. So as we look here this morning... As we repeat some things we've already talked about, did it did you grow last time? You might be reminded this morning, oh, last time I was preached the spirit spoke to me that I need to work here. Well, then the question is, did you work right there? Or did you just put it off? And maybe the reason this is being repeated for us is so that we'll take what we should have done before and apply it to our lives today. Number 1, We're called to cultivate the compassion of Christ. Verse 1 begins with the phrase, in those days. This is referring to that time. I mentioned six to eight month time that Jesus traveled to these outer areas and was really going, he was teaching his disciples the importance of reaching the unreached with the gospel. As we learned last week, that included that man with his special needs. And as we look today, and if we were, and as we look at the sermon today, we see the Bible says in those days the multitude, it was very great. We see that Jesus recognizes the fact that they have nothing to eat. And Jesus calls his disciples and he says unto them, Jesus saw a need of the people. And he wanted to meet the need of the people that were there. And Jesus was trying to teach the disciples the same thing. Because what's going to happen before too long? Christ is going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He's going to go back to heaven and be with the Father. They are going to be the ones that carry the gospel to the world. And he was trying to instill in them the compassion, looking for the needs and finding a way to meet the needs of the people. Verse number 2. The only time you see this in the book of Mark is right here. What you see most of the time, you see Jesus, it says Jesus had compassion. Or that's what you see, Jesus had compassion. This is the one time it's different in the whole book of Mark. This is Jesus' words. I have compassion. Do you see that right there? On the multitude, because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So we see here that Jesus not only does the scriptures, as it does in other places, tell us that Jesus had compassion, but Jesus is letting his guys know, I have compassion. He's trying to teach them something right here. And as we look at this passage, we see when we think of compassion, we think about being moved to the inward parts to feel deeply in the gut. The idea here is a reaction, including a, and as we look at this, it, t- the Latin word goes to suffer alongside. Jesus saw the need of the people. It moved him to compassion, and he did something for that group of people. And as we look at this, and as we think about this, the look at what the Bible tells us. In verse 3, And if I send them away fasting to their own houses... They will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And we see that Jesus is, that word faint means to collapse. You know, this morning I thought about this and I'm going to do it. I want to know who came the furthest to church in this service this morning. Who drove 20 minutes today or more? 20 minutes or more. Who drove 30 minutes or more? 35, 30, 35, somewhere around there. And we're talking about West Covina, 22 miles. And on a Sunday morning, probably about 30 minutes. On a Wednesday, that could be two hours, depending on what time you do it. But you got to drive in a car to get here. Those people came to hear Jesus, and some traveled from a far distance, and Jesus is thinking, if I send them away with no food, they're going to faint on the way back. He saw a need, and it compelled him to do something. And as we look at this passage, and in and, and Matthew, the Bible even tells us, and Jesus added, I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And Jesus knows that his disciples must, you think about this, what he's trying to teach his disciples, they must develop compassion before they can take the great commission to the lost. You know one of our great problems today? We lack compassion. Let me ask you, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Don't tell me you have compassion and you haven't told anybody about Jesus this last week. Because there are people literally that just drove by our church a minute ago that are dying on their way to hell this morning. There are neighbors of all of ours that are dying and going to hell this morning. There are family members in our families that are dying and going to hell this morning. You see, it all begins with compassion. Because I hear a lot of people, Pastor, I just get so nervous. I just, I can't do it. Um, you can. With the Holy Spirit of God, you can. There's not one of us in this room that cannot. If you are filled with the Spirit of God, you can be a witness. And in fact, a bold witness is part of being filled with the Spirit. So you can. Don't give me that. But the big problem is we lack compassion to want to do anything. Jesus was trying to cultivate in his disciples compassion. What did the disciples say? Look at verse number four. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? It's almost like Jesus said, I want to take care of these people. And Jesus shows compassion. And it's almost like the disciples, how, how can a man sa- how? Like throw up their arms? Like, how is this supposed to be? They've already seen him do it. And we would be worse than them, okay? They are much better Christians than Brian will ever be. But they still had a long ways to go. And as we look at this passage, in contrast to the compassion of Christ, the disciples were trying to look at a way of getting out of it. Jesus wants them to cultivate compassion, but they're quick to complain. The crowd has no food, but the core group has no faith at the same exact same time. First thing we see, first lesson, first thing we see, we're called to cultivate the compassion of Christ. How are you doing with that one? Since last time we talked about it. Have you told anybody about Christ in the past seven weeks? If not, the sermon really didn't do much, did it, the first time. Maybe today's the day we need to pick up on that and reach out and tell someone have some compassion for those that are dying without savior number two we see a little is a lot in the hands of jesus a little is a lot in the hands of jesus not letting them out of their responsibility to help meet the needs of these people jesus wanted them to know that a little is a lot when it's in his hands but didn't he just teach them that a few months before he did five loaves and two fishes for five thousand this time there's more bread and it just says a few fishes doesn't even give the amount because at the end of the day the amount doesn't matter you got jesus there he didn't even need a piece of bread or fish he could take care of it all as we look at this great things can happen if we just get what we have into the hands of jesus Like the song, little is much when God is in it. Say, Pastor, I don't have much to offer God today. None of us do. Do you realize that? Our very best falls so far short of anything, I don't have much to offer. And when you start thinking you have a lot to offer the Lord, you better watch out. If you ever start thinking, wow, the Lord got a good deal when he got me. No, when God got Brian, he got the biggest mess in the entire world. But he can take the little bit that I can do, and he can multiply it. Say, pastor, I can't give much in the offering. Oh, you just be faithful to him. He can take that little and do great things with it. Because a little is a lot in the hands of Jesus. Hey, you say, Pastor, I just can't do everything. None of us can. But everyone can do something. And we just need to give it to Jesus and let him use it today. The first key, though, is compassion. You will not give to the Lord without compassion that's where it begins say pastor I could never witness to someone I already mentioned this earlier if you got some compassion you could because you would see that you're witnessing let's, let's be honest you're witnessing my witnessing it's pathetic I am the most pathetic soul winner that's ever lived right here I'm pathetic I stumble over my own words at times I'm a pastor and I stumble over my own words and i'm pathetic but god didn't call me to be a good salesman or to be great at speaking i'm supposed to sow the seed and he can take a little seed you put the little seed into the master's hand and he can do a lot with that it starts with compassion see this morning as we look at these points we see we're called to cultivate the compassion of Christ number two a little is a lot in the hands of Jesus number three recognize the power of public prayer private prayer is very important you'll never have a great public prayer life till you have a private prayer life I would not be worried about how well you pray in public I would get my prayer in private right and have time with God but you will notice and as we look at this passage we look at verse number 6 it says and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. Oh something else that's different. I just noticed that right now. You know it's the first time they were sitting on grass. This time they're sitting on the ground. You see that right there? So I just saw, I saw that one right now. You can go back to Mark chapter 6 and look back later on. There's another difference in the two. Grass and ground. There's that, there is a little bit of difference there. And sometimes we complain because we're sitting on chairs, right? And they sat on the ground. So just remember that one. These chairs aren't very comfortable. You could sit for three days on the ground. How would that be? Say, well, if you were as good as Jesus, I could do it for three days. I'm never going to get there, so don't worry about that one. Never going to get there. Never going to get close. Not going to even try on that one. They sat down. They were eating. and And it says there, he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. Jesus publicly gave thanks for the bread and publicly blessed the fish. Here's the lesson. Always give thanks and bless God for what he has given to you. There are actually two prayers that take place right here. One of thanksgiving and the other a prayer of praise. We're to thank God for what he's done for us And we're to praise him for who he is. In all honesty, we were just going to have a picnic at the park today. But then as I was studying this passage of scripture, I thought, you know what? We should have a service at the park. Say, what are other people going to think? I don't care. You're going to sing praise to God? Yeah, I think people should hear that. I think that's okay. So you're gonna preach out in yeah, it'll only be about ten minutes. It's gonna be nice and short. Say, yeah, right, Pat. Don't don't doubt. Let's say your doubt, because of your doubt, that's probably why it won't happen. It's your lack of faith. If you had faith, all things are possible. Ten minutes is possible, but no, it's gonna be a short message. What's it gonna be about? Praising God for all that he's done. And we're gonna sing praise to him. That's why I think don't. Ever miss an opportunity of thanking God and praising him in public. When you go out to eat, I'm not telling you to cause a scene. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes and pray. But don't be embarrassed to pray either. Let's all all just gather real quick. Let's pray quickly. Let it be known. This whole world makes everything known that they want to be let known time the people of God thank him and praise him in public and let people see it and hear it. We need to do that. But recognize the power of public prayer. Number four, pass along what has been given to you. Now you notice in this passage There wasn't a little boy either that gave his food as far as we can tell. Sounds like this is the food the disciples had is what I see. Because he asked them, how many loaves do you have? That's what he's asking them here. And what happens is the disciples give Jesus the little they have and then Jesus multiplies it, gives it back to them so they can distribute it to others. They were a conduit of the blessing. We see in verse number six, it says, And he break and gave it to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. They did the same thing with the fish in verse seven, and commanded to set them also before them. And as we look at this, we don't just see Jesus make a pile of food in the corner and tell everybody to go get it. He takes what the disciples gave to him. He gives it back to them to give to others. You see how that works? The Lord doesn't give to you for you to keep it to yourself. You're supposed to pass it along what's been given to you that's what the disciples do in this passage as we look at it and Jesus provided and they gave out their job was to come with empty hands get filled up and then pass the provisions to others that's my prayer every week as I work on each sermon that I work on I try to come to the Lord empty let him fill me up and I take what he's given me from his word and I pass it out to you so that you can take it and pass it on to someone else that's my prayer every week that's the goal that's the prayer Wednesday night Caroline mentioned I'm starting a series on Joseph Wednesday night all the kids are in here now They've done great sitting through the last series and things that I've done. But I think doing a character of a person will be good for them to pay attention a little bit better. It's the same thing a parent does or what a teacher does. A teacher fills themselves up with whatever they're teaching, whatever the case may be, and they give it out to their audience. A Sunday school teacher does the same thing. And then you pass it along, what you've been given, what's been given to you. So important. That's our responsibility. But you've got to understand something. As a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a Sunday school teacher in the room, whatever the case may be, you have nothing in yourself to give. You've got to go to Jesus. And get from him to give to others. If I haven't been with Jesus, sermon's not going to help many people. Because I've got to get with him to get filled to give out. It's a great truth right there if you get a hold of that. Number five, we're at 930. Number five, only the Savior can give you satisfaction. You look at the first line of verse number 8. So they did eat, and what it, does it say? And were filled. The word filled means to be full and fulfilled. Only Jesus can satisfy. Think about that right there. Man, if I had 4,000 people to feed, I might be like the sample people at Costco, right? You get one little bite. I fed everybody! These people not only ate, but they were filled and satisfied. What a great reminder that is today for us. You can try and fill your life with many things, but the things of this world will never satisfy you. You'll want more. Say, well, if I get this, and then you'll want more. Only Jesus can truly satisfy your soul. He's the only one who can give you water where you'll never thirst again. He's the only bread where you'll never need bread again. He satisfies. Hey, if you're longing for satisfaction today, I encourage you to change what you're looking to and look to the Savior for your satisfaction. But someone could write the song, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And we see number six and lastly today. God's supply will always exceed your wasn't just enough to feed the crowd and they were totally satisfied but verse 8 says and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets the word here for baskets is a large basket the type of basket remember how Paul was lowered down the side of the wall in a basket that's the type of basket we're talking about that's a lot of leftovers it's like my mother-in-law sometimes I think she's still trying to feed 13 children at one time Because sometimes there are a lot of leftovers. When she left, whenever she comes, the fridge is empty. When she leaves, the fridge is always full. That's the way it goes. God loves to give and to give and to give. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, (coughs) abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That's our God today. You see, as we think about that, He not only supplies our needs, but He always exceeds it exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible tells us in John ten ten, I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it not just life, but have it more abundantly. The Bible tells us in Luke 6, verse number 38, Give and it shall be given you good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. You give to the Lord, and He always goes above and beyond. That's just how He is. The rerun is coming to a conclusion did you learn the first time or is there things you need to be reminded of today let me ask you a few questions this morning as I close how can you cultivate the compassion of Christ I think it comes down to how you view people you need to view them the way he views them he doesn't view people as a bother or a pain He views people as people with needs. We need his compassion. How can you cultivate the compassion of Christ? How about this? What little thing can you put into the hand of the Lord and let him use today? How can you participate more publicly in prayer and in your praise to God? I'll give you a great way. Come to the park this afternoon. The more voices singing out and praising God, you say, I don't want to eat, I don't want to play, then come at 6 o'clock. The service is at 6. Come then. Say, what if there's no one at the park? He'll be there with us. And if that's a no one, (laughs) I'm just going to stay away from you. But there's a great way of doing it. But pastor, what are people going to think when they hear us singing and things? Oh, I can already guarantee you, there's just going to be a guitar there. The singing's going to be off key. I'm totally going to butcher half the songs that we sing. It's going to be that way. I I know my voice. My voice sounds really good in my head right now, but I've heard the recordings of it. It doesn't sound as good as it does in my head right now. But I'm still going to preach it anyways this afternoon. How about this one? In what ways can you pass along what's been given to you? what do you need to change to find all your satisfaction in the savior in what specific situation do you need to trust in god's unlimited supply let's take the rerun today on the points because most of these points i gave you seven weeks ago let's take a review of these points today i know some of you are thinking man pastor this message is so good, I don't think I, if someone came up to me a while back, they're like, Pastor, I've never heard a message like that. That was so good and honest, honest to the Lord this morning. I preached it two years before, and I know that they were there that day. I could probably preach the same message week after week for a few weeks, and it might take a few people a little bit of time to figure that one out. These points are just a review from several weeks ago. Go look back at your notes. But what did you need to learn that you didn't learn then, you need to learn now? That's what the Lord did with the disciples. He already showed them this once. And this time there's even more, more food, less people. Think about that. Less people, more food. Where was the disciple? said, Lord, you did it last time, just do it again? I think that's what he wanted to hear that's not what he heard how can we satisfy these people um duh he did it before he can satisfy anybody haven't you seen the miracles that he's done and before we go too hard on them we do the same thing today take what you can from today apply it to your life and use it for his glory father